you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Today we continue the build of the tabernacle according to the plans and the materials God specified. And we know the materials were gold and silver and bronze, Mm -hmm. but some of that bronze came from a very unexpected place. Mm, And it surprises us. We'll see that today on on More Than Than Ink. Well, good morning. This is More Than Ink, and uh, I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're so glad you're with us. And uh, just one disclaimer before we get too far along in today's program, which we're excited about. <laughs> but but uh, we we always we record these at home, and uh, you'll hear sounds in the background. We're and having a windstorm. <laughs> it's, really, it's really quite something. You know, there's wind gushing around, and we have a wind chime out back that's ringing. So if in a quiet moment where we're not talking too much, you hear that sound, it's, it's not a sound effect. It's... Uh, it's, it's reality. <laughs> it's in our house. It's in our house. So, so there you go. That's what we're up to today. Well, we are up to continuing the build of the tabernacle. We're in. We're near, coming near the end of Exodus. Exodus only has forty chapters, and uh, we're going to be in thirty-seven, thirty-eight. But this is the construction phase. We are. We had the instructions given to us, and now we're in the construction of it all. And uh, and today we focus our attention on stuff. The furniture that goes inside. Right, instead of the ta- the tabernacle itself. Yeah, last week we talked about the the building of the ark and the table. So we're yeah. still in that in that holy place, and we're going to talk today about building the lampstand and the altar of incense. Yep, yep, exactly. So that's what we're about today. We're actually going to make what was specified. So if you're joining with us, we're in chapter 37 of Exodus, and we're going to come in at verse 17, which is where we start looking at the lampstand. Which, uh, and now where was the lampstand? Let's remind ourselves. Well, the lampstand stands on the, along the side of the holy place, uh, and it's it sheds light. There's no other artificial light in there. It's the only source of light in that room. Because it's a light-tight tent. Uh, I mean, very. Right. Yeah. And, and it is a tall uh, candelabra. The Hebrew word is menorah, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and there are six well six branches but seven lamps seven that shed lamps light total. specifically yeah. in front of it the word yeah. says well let's make it and then we can talk about it a little bit okay because yeah, this is our this is our last visit with the lampstand in exodus so why don't you head us off here verse 17 okay he also he being uh bezalel that's right he also made the lampstand of pure gold he made the lampstand of hammered work its base its stem its cups its calyxes its flowers were of one piece with it and there were six branches going out of its sides. Three branches of the lampstand out of one side and three branches out of the lampstand on the other side. Three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower on one branch and three cups made with almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower on the other branch. So for the six branches going out of the lampstand. And on the lampstand itself were four cups made like almond blossoms with their calyxes and flowers and a calyx of one piece with it under each pair of the six branches going out of it. Their calyxes and their branches were of one piece with it. The whole of it was a single piece of hammered work of pure gold. And he made its seven lamps and its tongs and its trays of pure gold. He made it and all its utensils out of a talent of pure gold. 
He made it. It's done. It's there. The whole thing was a single piece Solid. of hammered gold Solid. work. And the yeah. thing stood how tall? Maybe six feet? They they think about man-sized. Um, but to give you an idea, a talent of gold, uh, they think is between 70, 75 pounds. A mm-hmm. talent is a measure. So, so, you know, just take gold and hammer it out till you make a lampstand. And, and you can hammer gold out very, yeah, very thin. Really nice. So, um, so 75 pounds of gold, it, it would take two men to carry it for sure when they moved it around. But, but people just say, well, it was probably kind of man-sized or slightly bigger, you know? So it's well, the model of the one that we've seen was certainly that big. Yeah, in fact, yeah, and what we're talking about too is the fact that there's a uh, there's actually a photographic, well, not quite photographic, <laughs> no. but when Titus came in and sacked Jerusalem in 70 AD, they they went into the temple, they took all this stuff out, right, and they carted it away. And as part of a tribute to Titus, it was actually after his death at the time, they made the Titus Arch, which still stands outside in Rome today. And on the side of it, they made a picture of this. Of carrying away the stuff. Right, it's a carved it's a, uh, bas relief. It's a carved relief yeah. on this big arch. You can see it today. Go to Rome, ask for the Titus Arch. It's right there in Rome, and uh, and right there at the top of it on this relief is a picture of them carrying the lampstand. So you count the number of arms on it, and you and you look how big it is. It's about man so size. That's a pretty good historical reference for yeah. what it probably looked like. Yeah, probably a pretty good reference. Yeah. So, so yeah, here's this here's this lampstand. It's the only thing that yields light inside the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is, I mean, it's light tight. It's light tight. It's not like the tents that we have today. This baby is light tight. So the uh, the entirety of the light inside there is from this lampstand. Um, and it's it's solid gold. In fact, the only other the only other thing I can think of inside the tabernacle that was solid gold is the mercy seat. That was a slab of gold that was on top of the ark. But the ark was wood that was gold covered. Right, and yeah. the altar of incense and the table were made of acacia and covered with and wood. Covered covered with gold. Yeah, and and some of the poles yeah, are covered with gold. gold. So there's a lot of things that are actually made of wood, but they're gold covered. And this is one of the few things that's actually solid through solid hmm. gold. Yeah. So as it stood there, you know, I've always wondered before we leave it behind us, uh, why aren't there 12 lights in there? And the reason I ask this <laughs> is, <laughs> oh, because, that's an interesting question. is because there's the 12 tribes of Israel. Why, well, why should there be one for every tribe? Well, when you look in, for instance, in Revelation, early Revelation, you see the churches, which are which are located in what is today presently Western Turkey. And, and there's there's one light for every one of them. And there's seven of them. And there's seven of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I always wondered, I've always wondered why not, it, wouldn't it make more sense to be 12 so that in a sense it symbolizes the fact that the, the 12 tribes of Israel shine the light into the world about who God is, but it's not at seven. Well, then no, that's interesting now that you started down that line of thought because there are there are 12s represented in all kinds of things in the building of the tabernacle, particularly in the priest's garments, the 12 stones. There's 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. 12 names inscribed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. hmm. But seven being that number that represents perfect completion, yes. wholeness. Yes, yes. Um, the fullness hmm. of creation. Mm-hmm. God works on six days, right. but rests on the seventh. But yeah, so I think that's it. It's more of a fullness thing. So in a way, when you see seven lamps on this stand, you don't think about the light coming from the tribes. You think about the light coming from God himself. Right, it's the complete, it's complete. source of light. Yeah, yeah. it's complete. And, and it's the only source of real right. light in the in this stage and stuff like that. So, and in fact, we are we are just now coming out of the holiday season at the end of 2022, which is also not only just Christmas and New Year's, but Hanukkah happens this time of year. And Hanukkah, 
uh, is actually called the Festival, the Festival of Lights, of Lights. Mm-hmm. and uh, and it has to do with this lampstand, right. <laughs> this very lampstand right here. And and what they celebrate in Hanukkah, it was a couple hundred years before Jesus, but um, but foreign nations had actually invaded Israel, taken over this place, and then they got pushed out. And that, that's part of what you read about. They got pushed out, and so there was the process of recleansing the temple. Uh, and they go through a lot of things to recleanse the temple. In the process, they scrounge around to find enough oil because these are oil lamps. You know, you have to pour oil into these seven lamps to make them work. They scrounge around and they don't quite have enough oil. And yet they light them and they sort of, you know, cross their fingers and hope these last. And the miracle that happened there, which is a phrase that Jews use to this very day, a miracle happened there, is the fact that uh, that these lights continued to burn for eight days and they shouldn't have. There wasn't enough. There oil wasn't for enough that. oil. Yeah. yeah. So that turned into a small celebration, and uh, and even during the time of Jesus, uh, there's a documented case in one of the Gospels where he goes in during this festival of lights in the end of the year. But it's about this lampstand, and this lampstand is supposed to be burning all the time, not just when it's when the priests go in and out all the time. It's the perennial light of God. And so, uh, so that's this lampstand. And the fact that it's pure gold, that kind of reinforces the seven number idea. This is light directly from God. This is, gold is considered the pure metal in that sense. So, and very costly and kingly. So God provides light and it's complete and it's to the sevens <laughs> complete for us. And here it lights the way for the, uh, the priests to come in and out of the actual tabernacle and intercede for the people of God and meet with God. And it was the work of the priests to tend this yes, lampstand, they, that right? Was one because of the, the oil had to be replenished, and yep. the, the wicks would have had to have been trimmed, and all yeah. of that. But I was thinking, actually, in a completely different line, that as a student of the word, I was curious where else the lampstand shows up in the Ooh, scripture. So, if idea. you do a concordance study on um, on lampstand, mm-hmm. you're only going to find it in a handful of places. You'll find it all over Exodus, of course, with every yes. description in the building. Yes, here it, is. Uh, it turns up again in Second. Chronicles, when there's a description oh. of the holiness of the work of the priests who have continued to serve the Lord by keeping his charge and taking care of the lampstand, even when the people were turning to idolatry. Uh-huh. Uh, then it so shows up true that. beautifully, symbolically in Zechariah, uh, when uh, Zechariah has a vision mm-hmm. in the temple mm-hmm. of the lampstand, and he sees two trees, one on either side, and he sees the oil and the lamps mm-hmm. lit. And, and that's where this famous verse where the Lord says to him, not by might, not by power, that's but right. by my spirit, says the Lord. So it's very evident and, and, then that the oil in the lamp represents God's Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, very, very clearly. I was just going to mention, too, as you're saying, that picture came to my mind is the fact that the, this lampstand is actually fashioned out of a, an almond tree. Fashioned right. out of a tree. Made to look like a tree. Has branches. Has, and flowering and branches that yeah. shed the light. Well, yeah. oh golly, there's some beautiful symbolism there. Yeah. But then uh, you're going to find the lampstand show up again in the New Testament, although the lamps more. This is what Zechariah was doing when, when Gabriel appeared yeah. to him to tell him, your prayers have been heard, you will have a son. Speaking of Christmas. He will be John yeah. Yeah. known as John the Baptist, right? He'll be the forerunner. Yeah. Yeah. So, And then it shows up again in Revelation. Yep, it does. When we see Jesus at the beginning of Revelation walking among the seven lampstands, which then we're told represent mm-hmm. the seven churches. So, you know, this is probably an important idea, which might be one reason why there is so much detail. 
Yeah. Well, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. So right. there's some of that in there. <laughs> okay, he didn't say, I'm the lampstand. No. But he did say, I'm the light of the world. The Later light. on, he said, you're the light of the world. Right, right. And walk while you have the light, that you may yeah. become sons of light. Yeah. Right? So this idea of light in the darkness is central to the message of the scriptures. Yeah, and we are j- kind of jaded to the idea of how precious light is, because we have it we so easily. We just flip a switch. We flip yeah. a switch and there's light, you know. But in the ancient times, light was, I mean, that was a... That was a precious commodity at night, but but the deal with light is that when when light comes into a place, it dispels the darkness for one thing. Mm-hmm. The darkness cannot resist mm-hmm. it. So in that sense, Jesus brings light, and it cannot be resisted by the powers of evil. But when it comes in and it dispels darkness, it gives you an idea of how things really are. So when when God comes in Jesus, or even in this these passages, He's telling us, look, this is the way things really are. And you may not see it. And in fact, you cannot see it without my light. Mm -hmm. So he illumines us. You know, we we talk so much uh, in Western civilization about the enlightenment, which was several hundred (laughs) years ago. But this is the real enlightenment. This is the real enlightenment. This is where... Uh, the light came to shine on those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. Well, that's where John begins his gospel. That's exactly right. right the light yeah. shines in the darkness, and the darkness yeah. did not comprehend it. Exactly. Uh, so, I, boy, go back now after we finish talking about the lampstand. Uh, you who are listening, go to the Gospel of John and read the first five or yeah, six just verses. the opening verses. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly this idea of the light shining in a dark place will take on a fresh significance. So it makes a lot of sense that as you come into the tabernacle and approach the Holy of Holies where God is, that you would be awash with 24-7 light because in the presence of God, there's light. And remember, everything in that room is gold. Yes. So by candlelight or a little oil lamp light uh, in that dim room, it would have glowed yeah. in there with a warmth. It would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen it. Did you have something you're going to do before we move on? Uh, no, 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 it's okay. fine. Well, let's move on. on to the next thing that gets built. It's the altar of incense, which if you recall in your mind's eye, it's placed right outside the veil. Right. I mean, very. it's the piece of furniture that's closest to the ark, but there's a veil separating it. So uh, let me read this for okay. us. It's in verse 25. So he made, he made the altar of incense of acacia wood, and its length was a cubit. That's 18 inches. And its breadth was a cubit, and it was square, and two cubits was its height. So see, it's, you can see this in your mind's eye. It's a table that's about you know 18 inches square on top, and it's 36 inches high. It's about the height of your dining room table, where, how high that is. And so it's a little table is what it is. Um, uh, two cubits in high. Its horns were of one piece with it. He overlaid it with pure gold. So that's what we were talking about before, the wood things covered with gold. Its top and around its sides and its horns. And he made a molding of gold around it and made two rings of gold on it under its molding on two opposite sides of it as holders for the poles which which to carry it. And he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. Mm-hmm. And then he also made the holy anointing oil uh, and the pure fragrance incense and blended it as by the perfumer. So now we've got the altar of incense ready to go. And it was the job of the of the Levites, or the priests, to burn incense there daily. Right. We read those instructions a few chapters ago. Right. And that incense, the fragrance of that incense, again, shows up in Revelation. That's the it prayers, of the, saints, the prayers of the saints rising up before God. Yeah, and if you've forgotten, it's just such a cool picture. It's a word picture. Because as you think about our prayers, as we pray to God, who symbolically is above us in heaven, our prayers go up to him. Well, incense does that. The, the incense burns. It's a very fragrant smoke and the smoke slowly trails up 
upward into the air and goes up, 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 up. So it's a beautiful word picture of what our prayers are. And the fact that it smells really smells good. sweet. Yeah. Really good. It tells us, and he says this explicitly in the word, our prayers are a sweet smell in his nose. I mean, it's like he mm. just loves, he loves these prayers. And so it's placement so close to the ark is super important because the ark is the mercy seat right symbolically we talked about last time it's where god sits on his throne and so but there's this there's this cloth this veil that separates us from coming into god's presence but that veil does not get in the way of our prayers getting to god no the fragrance would have penetrated exactly so that's what's so beautiful about its placement and what it is it's a great picture and here we've got it going and plus remember uh, back in chapter 30, they gave them the recipe right, and for said, the, you can only use it for this, right? Right. You so, can't use this anywhere else. Yeah. Big, big deal. Well, let's push on. Okay. Let's the go. making of the altar of burnt offering. Okay, so we're in, now we're outside of we, the holy place. We just place. came out of the tabernacle. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So he, Bezalel, made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood. Five cubits was its length and five cubits its breadth. It was square and three cubits was its height. He made its horns on its four corners, and its horns were of one piece with it, and he overlaid it with bronze. And he made all the utensils of the altar, the pots, the shovels, the basins, the forks, and the firepans. He made all its utensils of bronze. And he made for the altar a grating, a network of bronze under its ledge, extending halfway down. He cast four rings on the four corners of the bronze grating as holders for the poles. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. And he put the poles through the rings on the sides of the altar to carry it with them and he made it hollow with boards very important if you're going to transport this thing because it's big i mean it's big it's almost eight feet square on top and four to five it would have been really heavy yeah would have been really heavy so that's why he says you know it was hollow that makes it a little bit easier but it is completely clad in bronze I mean, there, when you look at it, you don't see acacia wood, you see bronze. Well, and the reason it had to be bronze, well, for a number of reasons, a lot but of reasons, because yeah. they would build a fire in it. Yeah, all and, right. And a right. whole burned offering would be burned on it. So yeah. that requires some significant heat. Yeah, so you had to be careful exactly how you did this. So this was, this is the altar that you had to walk past as you headed towards the entry into the mm-hmm. tabernacle. And and we talked many times before about, about how... Um, uh, the message, in fact, of these offerings that are right at the entry of coming into right. God's presence. And uh, and the only reason you made offerings uh, is because you're sinful. <laughs> the offerings were all designed around that fact, around the fact of do, doing something with your sin. So it, it clearly represents, again, because of its placement and what goes on there, is that because of your sin, that has to be dealt with before you can come near to God or come into his presence. Somehow you have to deal with that. And that's in this courtyard. It's not in the tabernacle proper. It's on your way to the tabernacle. So it clearly says that on your way to the presence of God, you got to deal with your sin. And that's what goes on here with this, with this very large burnt offering platform. And we're going to get to that again. We'll circle back to it when we get to the end of the book of Exodus when they actually perform the, yeah, when they do the it. burnt offerings. Yeah. But uh, I, before we run out of time here, we need to press on to the last little Let's detail in this Let's section, it, which is making fun. this bronze basin. Yeah. Listen for this detail. This is verse 8. Uh, he said, He made the basin of bronze and its stand of bronze from the mirrors of the ministering women who ministered in the entrance of the tent of meeting. 
Ah, we have some That's new a fascinating detail. Yeah. So the bronze basin was required because there was a lot of washing, right? Mm-hmm. The priests had to wash and Brush the animals had to be feet. washed. Right. And uh, there was constant washing going yeah. on. Yeah. So the bronze basin was there and associated with the bronze altar. But what about this detail about the bronze basin being made from the mirrors of the women who ministered at the entrance of the tent. Now, there's a message in there. Oh. <laughs> and this, by the way, is the only place that that's mentioned. But it's know. the most interesting detail in the whole yeah. passage, yeah. from my point of view. Who were these women, and what did they do? Well, yeah, that's, we don't know. That's one of the things. We don't know who these ministering women are. They're not specified anywhere in the previous stuff in Exodus we've seen. And and I think the only other time that I can think of where they're referenced in the Bible is with when Eli's getting old. Right. Eli's, Eli's getting, getting old, old and his sons are misbehaving with the women who yeah. serve at the entrance of the tent. Yeah, and then eventually gets them killed. But it says it's these women who minister. It's the same women. So, so that is in 1 Samuel 2 if you want to oh, go and read Good. that yeah. read that passage. So, so we don't know much about them other than this. They're ministering somehow. But they gave up their mirrors which is polished bronze. It's not glass. It's well, polished and they bronze. probably brought them out of Egypt, so they yeah. were bright and shining. And what do you use a mirror for? Right. Well, you admire yourself in it. You look at yourself. You look to see what you look like, right? right. You're right. preoccupied with yourself. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 3, uh, mirrors show up on the list of things that God says, I'm going to take these things away from you. Your baubles, your nose rings, your earrings, your mirrors, your, mirrors, your curled right. hair. your Because the people were so preoccupied with their own beauty. Yeah. They yeah. were neglecting the beauty of God. Yeah. And so... I. I, as I sat and, and camped on this idea, I realized that perhaps what's being communicated here, and well, you know, it's not specific. These were women whose hearts so stirred them, and we have women's hearts being stirred all the way mm-hmm. through Exodus. We'll mm-hmm. recount that in a minute if we have time. But these women surrendered preoccupation with their own beauty. With themselves. For serving the beauty of the Lord. Exactly. Somehow at the entrance of the temple, people would have needed to make some sort of preparation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of historically, women are there when there's work to be done that Mm -hmm. requires cleaning, (laughs) dressing, preparing, putting things in order. Right. Right. That's just the way women are constructed in large part. Yeah. So I just was stricken by that idea that these women surrendered their mirrors. They weren't going to be gazing at themselves anymore. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were gazing at God. Well, and you know, when you come when you come to the entrance of the entrance of the tent of meeting, uh, what if you look around yourself? It's a spec. It's a spectacle. Yeah, it's beautiful. God has it's just beautiful. done incredible things with tapestries and with colors and with uh, you know with weavings and with gold covered things. I mean, it it's spectacular. So in many respects, it's them saying from a from a wonderfully humble position that when you come here, we don't want you to look at us. We want you to see the beauty right. of God and not us. Right. So we're not going to tend to ourselves that way by looking in mirrors. It's not a, it's not about us is what this says. It's about God's presence. Well, and two things I just want to touch on before we wrap this up. And one is mirrors don't show up a lot other places in the scriptures, right? Paul no. makes a reference to seeing ourselves in a mirror dimly right. until we see Christ face to face. But James makes an interesting oh, comment right. about does. mirrors. And this is James 1, 22 mm-hmm. and 23. Mm-hmm. He says, but prove your 
yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Mm. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. (laughs) But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, having become not a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man is blessed in what he does. Right. So the law is like a mirror to him. It shows him it something shows, about himself. Shows us, shows us what needs to be corrected, shows what needs us, to be fixed. Just like a mirror shows our imperfections. What needs to be changed. So does the and law. We, and we can go away and be changed yeah. by that encounter with the Word of God. And in, and in this case, the mirror, the mirror symbol isn't one of vanity. It's no. one of understanding your true nature. And, right. uh, and the sinfulness of your true nature. And James's point is, you know, what are you doing if you look at yourself and you understand your true nature because the law is reflecting like a mirror and then you don't do anything about it? Right. Well, what are you thinking is what he's saying. Right. So, yeah. It's, you're deluding yourself. You're deluding yourself. Fooling yourself. Yeah. Why would you see what's there and not change in some yeah. kind of way? Yeah. So I, I also wanted to touch on the fact that women are very present in the whole Exodus account. Yeah. Right? We have the midwives in the beginning. We have Moses' mother, sister, and mm-hmm. wife all mm-hmm. named and featured in the stories in which they appear. We have in this later part of Exodus the women whose hearts stirred them to mm-hmm. give offerings or to bring their jewelry or to use their skills to weave. We've talked about all of those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And here we have them ministering at the entrance of the tent. So these women are very present yeah. in this story. Yeah. And even though women cannot be ordained as priests, you know, that was right. part of the rule, it doesn't mean that they're inactive in the worship no. in the worship context or the worship narrative. Or we see omitted, here. excluded in no. any way. No. Gosh, I think of Miriam and so much. I mean it's just it's just it, they're just not in the background. They're yeah, as, well that's what I was foreground. pointing out that that women yeah. are central to the Exodus story from yeah. the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so here they are as well. It's interesting in in all these we've been talking for the last 2 weeks about the builds going on and it's pretty much just been repetition of stuff that we knew about in right. several chapters right. back, back in chapter 30 and 25 largely, but uh, but this is the this is the first time I can think of in the last couple of weeks that as we're building it, he sneaks in one little item to say, you know, they were made out of mirrors. <laughs> well, and because everything and I appreciate else was that the, the gold or the silver or the whatever that they had brought out of Egypt recognized as valuable, but here it's not gold or silver. It's no. it's bronze, but it's specific bronze. It's specific a bronze. A gift from these women whose hearts moved them. Making a real statement. Yeah, that that's what's fun about reading the word is that suddenly you turn a corner and go, wait a second. Yeah, what was that? The mirrors? <laughs> what is that supposed to tell us? So that's really kind of fun. Well, we are out of, we're time, out of time. And we're going to come back next time and finish the outer court stuff. And then also kind of sum up what the materials were that took to make the right, whole place. Right, the official count. So we're coming near the end of the build. So we're glad you're with us. And join us next week as we continue it here on, on More, More Than, Than Ink. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website morethaninc.org. And while you're there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink.